0: Welcome to Christian Historical Fiction Talk. I'm your host, author Liz Tolsma, and if it's happening in the world of Christian historical fiction, we are talking about it right here. And what we are talking about right here today is the new book, Miracle at the Sideshow by Amy K. Sorrells. And I was so excited to find out about this book, to get a chance to read it and enjoy it. I devoured it, in fact. And it was so good, so fresh and interesting. taught me about history that I didn't know about, which is always a fun part of Christian historical fiction. And I know a lot of you like that too. So if you want to learn something more, maybe something you didn't know about before, I recommend Miracle of the Sideshow by Annie K. Sorrell. And we have a great conversation coming up with her. She was a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed getting to know her and talking to her, and I know you will too. But before we get to that interview, remember to subscribe. I don't want you to miss out on any of these episodes with any of these great authors. We are also approaching show number 100. Can you guys believe that? 100 shows. That's amazing. So We've had a hundred shows of great guests, great topics, and you don't want to miss out on the next hundred Lord willing to come number two, please follow us on social media. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Christian Historical Fiction Talk, so you can get information about upcoming guests there. You can get in on conversation on what books you're reading and what you're enjoying and what you're not enjoying and We talk about all kinds of things. I put up polls there. I ask questions. So we have a lot of fun over on social media. So please join us in those places. And if you would like to become a Patreon to help support Christian Historical Fiction Talk so that we can make it for another 100 episodes, that would be fantastic. I would really appreciate that. And that will be over on my website. You can check that out there. Okay. Without further ado, I am so pleased and beyond thrilled to welcome the very talented Amy Sorrells to the show today. Welcome to the show, Amy. It is so good to have you with us this week. Thank you so much for having me, Liz. Well, you had approached me and asked if I would consider having you on the podcast and your book, Miracle at the Sideshow the premise of it just really struck me. And it sounded so fascinating that I wanted to read the book, number one, and number two, I wanted to talk to you about the book. So I'm excited to have you on here and to finally get a chance to chat with you about Miracle at the Sideshow. But before we get all to that, why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners?
1: Sure, yeah. So I am a mom of three young adult boys and a husband. I live in central Indiana and I'm about to be a grandma to twins, a boy and a girl twin. So I am just in a really cool season of life. And writing wise, I've been pursuing and working on novels and I have this Miracle at Sideshow will be my fifth novel. And that all started for me when my youngest went to kindergarten around 2006. So that's how long my writing career has been going. And then my day job, which I like to tell people is so that I can feed my family, <laughs> but I actually <laughs> love it equally as much Is I've been a registered nurse since 1993 and worked in a variety of hospitals always hospital based nursing
0: including
1: neonatal intensive care which i drew on a lot for this book
0: i did notice that and we'll get to that in just a little bit but congratulations on becoming a grandma to twins no less how i know absolutely thrilling <laughs> wow <laughs> You must just be over the moon. And if it were me, I'd be like at the store every day picking out something or another for them. So, fun. yeah,
1: I tear up every time I think about it. I get, yeah, I get all emotional.
0: <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. How much fun. I hope they, they're going to be living nearby. Yes, yes.
1: Yep. They live about 15 minutes away.
0: All the better. That's wonderful. Yep. Congratulations <laughs> to you and hope all goes well. Thank you. All right, let's get down to business and talk about the Miracle at the Sideshow. Before we get into some of the little details and some things I want to ask you about, just give the listeners an overview. What is Miracle at the Sideshow about?
1: So Miracle at the Sideshow is about a young lady named Sophie. She's the protagonist, and she is an Eastern... European immigrant, her and her family came from the what is now the Ukraine area and she, through a major tragedy, actually, I don't think it's giving too much away to say, she was the only survivor of her family of girls that survived the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire, and then her sister survived long enough to give birth to a premature baby, and so Sophie finds herself in a whirlwind trying to figure out how to keep her little niece named Mercy alive and back then in 1911 when the story is set really there were there just wasn't any medicine any treatments even any physicians who cared for premature babies at all so so she finds a Dr. Martin Cooney and he's a real life character so this is based on real life although I took a lot of fictional liberties but Dr. Cooney was a real doctor, although whether or not he was a real doctor is a little bit in question. So that's a whole nother topic, but he was one of the very few people in the whole entire world who worked to save premature babies. And he, uh, the only way he could finance it is through taking care of the medicide show. So the story is about how Sophie gets involved with him and Her adventures with that.
0: Yeah, that was just super fascinating to me how you brought together the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire, which is a quite well-known event, and also this, to me anyway, a lesser-known event about these incubators at the Coney Island Sideshow and what he did, his really groundbreaking work on saving these premature babies. And you used one phrase, unsuitable candidates. And you were referring to immigrants there, but I think that it could also apply to babies as well. And the whole field of eugenics was growing not only in Europe at that time, but also in the United States. Can you talk a little bit more about how they viewed the weak and and that in those days,
1: yeah. So it wasn't very, very pleasant history to, to learn about. But it's the reality of the way that society was, just was at that time, and the way that they thought, and ultimately did lead up to things like the Holocaust happening. But basically, I can't remember the scientists that the that the theory it was probably multiple scientists. It was a movement to try to perfect the human race. And so anybody that was deformed in any way or had any handicaps, even minor ones, and then premature babies, even though, you know, you and I know that premature babies grow up to be just like any other people, they just are born too early. But because they didn't understand that premature babies were left to die. Even if, even even if families brought the babies to hospitals, they'd often be turned away. So yeah, it was really, really hard times. And it's really why, why not only premature babies, but a lot of handicapped people ended up in sideshows in general, because otherwise they wouldn't have been able to make a living. So, you know, it seems really kind of macabre and, And inappropriate to talk about handicapped people being in sideshows. But at the time, it was what, what a lot of them, it was all they had.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And it just is so striking to me as the mother of a child who was born prematurely and with a handicap to think that in the United States, a hundred years before she was born, she would have just been discarded. And it's it's very sad to think about and kind of even speaks a little bit to what's going on in our country again today, a hundred years later about unsuitable candidates that a lot yeah. of people still see them that way. Yeah.
1: yeah. And the, the interesting thing about that is that I, I've been working on this book probably – the longest of any of my novels that I've written, like three and a half years. And the fact that it was ready to put out in the world at this time is just kind of, there's a lot of irony in that.
0: Yes. God's providence. It was all in his perfect timing. Knew the world needed a book like that right now. The incubators that this Dr. Cooney used in the sideshows and to place the babies in that really saved a lot of babies' lives. Can you describe them a little bit? What was so revolutionary about them?
1: So they started, the very, very first one started kind of in the late, mid to late 1800s in France. And there was a guy over there who, took chicken incubators and the idea behind keeping the chicks warm and the air flowing and things like that, and started applying it to premature babies. And they found out that the babies just thrived. So there are, if uh, I didn't include it in the back matter of my book, although in hindsight, maybe Maybe I can. I'll I'll put it on my blog. That's what I'll do. I'll put it on my blog. But there yeah. there are uh, images of what the incubators that Dr. Cooney used look like. But they're in a lot of ways resemble the incubators that I used when I worked in the NICU. So they have they had like pipes underneath with warm water that warmed the units, and they were covered with metal and glass, and then they had. Pipes that piped in air actually from the outside. So he was he wanted to make sure the air was not only, you know, circulated, but that it was from fresh outside air. So oh and he did start to use oxygen with babies as well.
0: Yeah, it was really fascinating because I did go online afterwards and look up what these incubators look like and they really do resemble still a lot what the modern day incubators look like so he really sort of set the bar for where they should be at and and his model is still very much in use today and that's really fascinating 100 years later
1: and a lot of doctors like he went to world's fairs all over the place but a a lot of physicians kind of laughed him, laughed him out of the place. But there was one doctor, Dr. Julian Hess, I believe his name was, a physician in Chicago. So they met when Dr. Cooney went to the World's Fair in Chicago and ended up taking an interest in his work. And then Dr. Hess was primarily responsible for introducing it and kind of paving a path for the incubators to become used in a more official medical way.
0: That was really interesting to learn about all of that. Now, you mentioned in your introduction that you are a registered nurse by day, and I got the feeling that you really poured a lot of yourself into this book, not only with that, but you also love dogs, and there's a dog that makes an appearance here and there in the book, which which I loved. Yeah. <laughs> Was this really a personal book for you in a lot of ways? Oh,
1: for sure. I mean, all if I'm honest, all my books are <laughs> they're they're, <laughs> uh, they're a big part of me, but this one is the first one that really focuses on medicine. And I had a publisher a while ago ask if I'd be interested in writing like medical kind of just modern contemporary medical Novels and I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm too close. Like it was too close for me. But I I found that writing about it from a historical perspective, it was it was so much fun. And yeah, just some of the some of the quirks about oh older nurses who pick on younger nurses and <laughs> things like that are uh, very tr- very true to life for a lot of a lot of nurses still today. <laughs>
0: That's interesting to hear you say that and to get the different perspectives. So the historical part of it allows you to step back a little bit from your day-to-day life then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, you did a lot of research on this, not only for Dr. Cooney and the sideshow and the incubators and all of that. And you had quite the bibliography in the back of the book. And there is quite a bit out there. But also, you had to research the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire. You had to research Coney Island and what it was like in 1911. And there was a fire there in 1911 as well. Can you give us a little bit of insight how you went about your research and all to this and how long it took you to do all the research?
1: Yeah, so... It was really interesting as I was, I have a lot of problems with, I'm always studying how to plot. Like I have all these ideas, but then like to put them in proper plot format for a novel to be, you know, engaging for readers like that. Some people probably struggle with like description or characters or setting, but my struggle has always been plot. And so I was absolutely thrilled when I started to research to find out that not only was there the fire at Coney Island, but like three months before that was the Triangle Shirtwaist fire. So I was like, oh my gosh, I have my two major plot points. And so I was so excited about that. And then one thing that really helped me with my research is that right before the pandemic or right as the pandemic was starting in 2020, In fact, I don't know if if folks will remember when the National Guard moved into that one part of New York City. I was actually in New York City at that time visiting my son who was studying there. And we were there for about five days. And actually, I went to Coney Island and the Coney Island Museum. And then one of the coolest museums... contributed to my book is called the Tenement Museum in New York City, which I highly recommend to anybody who goes there. Even, you know, this book aside, but the Tenement Museum is actually in a tenement on the Lower East Side. And I think the street that my protagonist Sophie grows up on, I think I looked at a map and I think it's right next to the street that the tenement museum is on. And just all of the history and the way of life in tenements at the turn of the twentieth century was just fascinating. And like even the markets, I, I think I have a few scenes in there about Sophie at the markets. They were fascinating and yeah, so it just it took every bit of the three and a half years that I spent working on the on the book, but God was very gracious in helping me set it in a time where the plot points kind of did the work for me.
0: Oh, that's always nice when that comes together. And that just sounds like really interesting, fascinating research and some new museums for me to check out if I'm ever in New York City again. It's been a very long time, but something for me to, to look at. Very interesting about the tenements and what life was like was not an easy life for these immigrants coming over and living in these tenements. The conditions were not good at all. It was interesting
1: to me how they really did have pretty fresh food. Like they'd be eight people in a three or four room tenement. Oh, and the, you know, talk about a need for fresh air. They didn't have any air movement and they were dark and of course, no sanitary facilities and things like that. But Yeah, I I relied heavily on a a book that's listed in the back. I can't remember the name of it offhand, but that talks about just the different things that different meals and recipes that they would have eaten then.
0: Oh, really interesting. You said on your website that you are inspired by social issues which break your heart and the redemption that can be found in them. Can you expound on that a little bit?
1: Yeah. So, so in this book in particular, it was just premature babies and just valuing the least of these and the overlooked people who are overlooked, like immigrants, like Sophie. So it was a combination of, of both of those. Part of that too, with Miracle at the Sideshow is because even though it's about premature babies, like they, (laughs) there isn't a lot of like action for a novel that premature babies do you know right. they just, <laughs> and they're just in their incubators and they don't talk or anything like that but in my in my other novels before I saw you was the novel that released before this one and it took place in southern Indiana in the midst of the heroin epidemic and as a probably a lot of the the brokenness that drives my stories come from my work as a nurse because I've had a lot of patients that have been addicted so that kind of inspired that one but they all end in hope and you know even though we are in the midst of times that it just feels so dark all the time you you know whenever you turn on media even even though we're kind of out of the pandemic it still feels like Things are just dark and heavy, but as Christians, we're called to have joy in the midst of that. And we're promised to have freedom in the midst of that as well. And so I think when I'm writing these books where terrible things happen, I think it's kind of my own search for hope and joy in the midst of difficult situations, if that makes sense
0: makes perfect 100% sense to me. And I always appreciate books like yours that end with hope that don't leave the readers in despair. And this one definitely doesn't. It definitely presents a lot of hope and there is a lot of hope at the end of it. And it really has a, a beautiful ending. And I won't say anymore because I don't want to give anything away about the ending. <laughs> <laughs> so There's always something next on the plate of an author. We can never shut that off. We can never stop writing. So even though you're a busy nurse and about to be a grandma to twins, is there something else coming up from you that we can look forward to?
1: Yeah. So after I finished this one, it did take, you're right. It did take a lot out of me. I kind of poured my heart out in this last one. And as I was finishing it is when I learned I was going to be a grandma And so I just sat down with a pen and wrote on a full sheet of paper, like if I could write anything I want, kind of like starting new with my writing, like what would I want to write? So it just like flashed into my head. I want to write like about a travel nurse, because if I could be a travel nurse, well, like the perfect picture of a travel nurse, I would love to do that, to have a camper and all that. So I took that and then I really do like, when I listen to books on tape, I tend toward mysteries. So Cozy Mysteries, I started to to kind of get into those and they're so much fun and they're, you know, they're clean. They're just like different from what I've written before, but but the same in the sense that they offer kind of a respite. From what's happening in the world. And so, yeah, so Cozy Mysteries with the Travel Nurse, Whitney Watson Travel Nurse Mysteries is what I'm calling them. So, and there's a dog who's completely inspired by my insane black lab cash. And then there's a cat too. So, sassy
0: cat. Oh, that sounds like a whole lot of fun. And I have a <laughs> soft place in my heart for labs. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. We had two of them and we don't have one right now. And I sure miss them. My daughter and, and I pester my husband constantly about when can we get our next lab? Please, can we have a lab? <laughs> so.
1: They're just so such big balls of energy. I mean, yeah, yeah. they're just crazy.
0: <laughs> but big, big babies too, you know, they yes. both my labs just would do nothing but crawl in my lap if I let them, like, you know, all 70, 70, 80 pounds of them in my lap. Yep. <laughs> I yep. love them. If listeners would like to connect with you, how can they go about connecting with you?
1: Well, I'm kind of, it's kind of embarrassing. I'm pretty much everywhere, as most writers are. So if you Google my name, you'll find me on Facebook, Instagram. My blog is com, And oh, I, I'm on the TikTok too. So where, <laughs> wherever you look, you'll probably find me.
0: Okay, that sounds great. Do you have any last words for the listeners?
1: The only thing that comes to mind is just, since it is a faith-based audience, just keep fighting for life. Keep fighting for The lives of people who can't fight for themselves.
0: Amen. Amen and amen to that. Well, Amy, it has been great getting to know you and getting to talk to you about Miracle at the Sideshow. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for sharing some of your time with us.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Well, these chats always come to an end far too soon. And I really thoroughly enjoyed getting to know Amy. She is a terrific author. And if you would like to read this book, I highly recommend it. I think it's fabulous, really well done, and you won't be disappointed with Miracle at the Sideshow. If you would like to learn more about Miracle at the Sideshow, or if you'd like to get a handy link to this book, or if you'd like to find out more about Amy and get a link to her website, then head over to my website, which is LizTolsma.com. All that information will be over there. If the podcast doesn't show up right on the homepage, click on the little tab. It will take you to the list of all my podcasts over there. All 99 episodes of them, I believe, are on there. And so I'd appreciate you checking out some that you maybe have missed along the way. Speaking of 99 episodes, that means that next week is episode number 100. I can hardly believe it. When I started this podcast a little over two years ago, I would have never thought that it would make it to number 100. And I will gush about you guys and how great my audience is in the next show, so I won't go on and on too much about that now. But your support, your kindness has meant everything to me, over these years and has helped me get to episode 100. I am so thankful for all of you. I am thankful for the way that you have spread the word about Christian historical fiction talk and have let others know about it because it's grown because of you guys and all of your word of mouth. I can post on social media till I'm blue in the face, but it's not until you guys start talking about Christian historical fiction talk that others start listening. So I appreciate each and every one of you. So please come back next week for our special number 100 episode. We're going to have fun and surprises and all kinds of great things, you don't want to miss out on it, be sure that you are here. That's why I tell you to subscribe and to follow me on social media so that as soon as that one drops, you're going to want to listen to it because there may or may not be some fun giveaways or something in there that are time sensitive that you'll want to hop on right away. Just a little hint of what is to come. Once again, I thank you for listening. I hope you all have a fabulous week and we will see you next time.